0: In the studio with us this afternoon, a friend of the station from Piedmont Opera, James Albritton, their artistic and general director welcome sir
1: thanks thanks Jim and please call me Jamie
0: well you know I didn't know if we were that close we are yeah. okay so uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it's weird because it's like Jamie really I tried yeah, yeah. I tried Jim it wasn't for me well, I tried James it wasn't for me my grandfather was a Scot, so that's where Jamie comes from
0: <laughs> exactly exactly and we won't go into our Highlander thing you probably don't even watch it which I mean it's a great miniseries anyway never mind <laughs> Um, But anyway, we're here to talk about Piedmont Opera. And the last time you were here, it was pretty much early on in the pandemic. And everybody was scrambling to um, do what they could, because you already had your year planned, you sold a whole lot of tickets, and everybody was so excited about things that were coming up for Piedmont Opera. Uh, And once again, we're very Grateful to, for our town of this size to have an opera company. So that's why we're always happy to talk, talk about Bon Opera and all the great uh, things that you do in the community, not just in putting on your great productions during the year, but what you do in the schools and what you do to bring in new um, uh, classes of opera lovers, because you all worked very hard at that to educate in addition to entertain.
1: We do. Actually, uh that has become sort of our 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 side job yeah. with, during the pandemic because uh one of the things that we did and and you stop me jim if i've already talked to you about this but uh, when the pandemic hit we were in the process of of course doing king and i yeah and what a disappointment it. yeah And uh, the the Metropolitan Opera's response to the pandemic was to put out these nightly broadcasts Mm -hmm. of their operatic repertory for free. Yeah. So you can either go to their website or download their Met Player. And they started like the week after we shut the show down. And the second week in, the second week, they do the Ring Cycle. Wow. Yeah. Hot. And I called a colleague of mine, Steve Lacoste, who's on the faculty at the School of the Arts, and I knew that he'd been teaching a Wagner class. And so he had all the information right at his fingertips. And I said, Steve, what about if we do, like, we'll do a Facebook Live event this week, the four days of the Ring Cycle at noon, you can do a talk about... Each, each segment of the ring cycle to help people plow through sure. all of that density. He said, sure, I'm happy to. So that was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of that week. However, it was almost a year ago. And at the on the Friday, I said, we're doing Facebook Live. Uh, and I said, on the Friday, just ask the people that are tuned in if they'd like us to continue. Mm. And, and overwhelmingly, they said yes. So I said, okay. And who knew how long this was going to last? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 24 weeks. Wow. Five days a week. Golly. We did an hour long preview of the opera that would be coming that night. And look here, I don't know Les Troyens, okay?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean we were it was like being in graduate school again because Steve and I would split up the operas and we would be learning them, you know, half a day before we had to talk about them in some instances. But we also, I mean, when when they broadcast the Tudor trilogy of Donizetti the mm. M- Mary Stewart and Anna Boleyn and all those things I got a hold of our friend Margaret George a uh, New York Times best-selling author who had been a guest of ours when we did Mary Stewart. Yeah. and I said you want to do a you want to do a Zoom chat with me on this thing and she said I would love to wow so she did 3 days with us and then that led me to calling if I had a friend that had been In the particular production they were showing, I did interviews there. And then they enjoyed the interview so much, they connected me with other people I didn't know who had been in shows. Uh, Somebody connected me to one of the original cast members of The Ghost of Versailles. Get out of here. And I had an interview with him. um, and, And just a couple of weeks ago... Uh, I interviewed an old college friend of mine, Emily McGee, who was starring in, uh, the Rusalka of Dvorak that they were doing. So we, we've sort of built this big sort of online presence now. And we, now we don't do it every day of the week. We call it opera talk and we do it, uh, every Friday at noon, Facebook live. So many people watch it live, but then at, but before the weekend's over with, two, three hundred people wow. are tuning in to see this stuff. It's wonderful.
0: What a way to build community. Exactly. And to reach out. And, and it shows just how, how small the, the community is, the world is. Oh, let me tell Everybody, you, Everybody, you know, tuning in.
1: This whole pandemic, as terrible as it is. Yeah. What a strange bedfellow it has made out of out of internet and opera. Yeah. When we live streamed uh, in the fall, our fall show was Echoes from Carolina, and we live streamed that twice. We sold tickets to 43 different states. Wow. And nine countries.
0: Wow. All these people who were not going to fly in to exactly. sit se- in the Stevens Center.
1: We had people in Italy <laughs> watching Echoes from Carolina. We had people in Hong Kong watching Echoes from Carolina.
0: I mean, who would have ever thought? Well, that's absolutely brilliant that you had the nerve... Out of desperation, pure desperation. You are describing this
1: this perfectly, Jim.
0: (laughs) And and and, you know, instead of cowering and whimpering in a corner, saying "We're we're not selling any tickets. We're going to go out of business," you went out and you made some business.
1: Exactly. I got to say, you know, uh, uh, Opera America is the service organization for opera here in the United States, and they've been very good about trying to keep everybody sort of bolstered up and have courage. Yeah. And there was a I was really struggling for a minute there because yeah. who you know who knows yeah. and uh, we were on a talk with the man that runs Philadelphia Opera mm-hmm. and he his best advice to us was because they're doing stuff we could never do, but his advice to all of us was stay focused on your mission mm. and I clicked the off button on that and I stared at that mission statement and I went to work yeah. And and it's been great. It's I, I would never want to do it again. If you had told me a year ago that I was going to be worrying about camera angles for my opera, I'd have laughed at you.
0: Oh, okay, well, let me uh, just tell you a little secret right now. It's too late. <laughs> it's it's now part of your job description. It, that's the sad and thing. So guess what? You're going to be doing this until you're cold in your grave.
1: I'm I'm saying, and I say it's the sad thing because. It's, you know, we got to change. We got, you know, it's art. Exactly. exactly. We got. And that's been the wonderful thing about Piedmont Opera. Uh, Your strength is your greatest weakness. You know, my entire staff at Piedmont Opera, it's myself and three others. There are four of us producing opera full time here, which is crazy. That's like public radio. Exactly. Exactly. It's just (laughs) like what you do. But the benefit of that is when when the difficulties come, like we're in the midst of now, you're agile and yeah. you can be very flexible Exactly. and my staff has bent right next to me to make all of these things happen and it's just it's been a, a real a, an adventure uh, a godsend and I'm so grateful for them and I'm so grateful for all of the the people all over the world literally yeah, that yeah. have followed us on this journey
0: We're talking with Jamie Albritton, who is the artistic director and general director of Piedmont Opera in the studio this afternoon talking about how they have thrived <laughs> not just survived, how they have thrived this pandemic and not only have they expanded their audience to Kernersville, you've <laughs> expanded your audience to countries around the world yeah. just by uh, getting on the internet and, and having these marvelous chats. Brilliant idea.
1: Well, I mean, it's an idea. How much of there? There are plenty of those episodes of Opera Talk that might not be brilliant. There are a couple that I'm proud of. <laughs> but you know what? They're they're out there. Yes, it's, you know. Thing. I have to say, I did hear back from one uh, gentleman who was homebound in yeah. the in the worst of it, and yeah. he said, you know. I just feel like you're talking right to me, and it's such a pleasure and that meant so much to me to think that here here I am a a general director of an opera company, and somewhere on the other side of this Facebook live yeah. feed is a is a lonely man who I don't know if he loves opera or not, but he it meant something to him that I was standing there talking to him and telling him these stories
0: well done that's all I'll, I'll stop there well yeah. done and um Good luck with the next year and your other three jobs that you're going to have once this thing is over with. So let's talk about uh, the, the subject at hand, which is your production of Cinderella that's yes. coming up this month. Yes. Cinderella, and it was a different version of it that I saw many, many moons ago here at Piedmont Opera. Uh-huh. It was my first uh, visit to Piedmont Opera. I was completely blown away. Um, at the accessibility and the beauty and the fact that it was a completely different telling of the story. Mm -hmm. So, let's talk about this production and how people will have access to it.
1: Sure. I mean, first let's talk about the production because you're absolutely right, Jim. The the Cinderella that you saw was written by Rossini, the same guy that wrote Barber of Seville. Um, And that's probably the most popular operatic telling of the story. There is another version written by the French composer uh, Jules Massonet, uh, and the the Met's done it rather recently, and Mm -hmm. it's a charming story as well. The one that we're doing is written by French uh, singer, voice teacher, and composer Pauline Viardot. Mm -hmm. She wrote it in 1904. Viardot is a fascinating character. Uh, she was born into one of the most prestigious singing families in all of Europe in the 1800s. And uh, her father created the role of Count Almaviva in The Barber of Seville. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Yeah. And uh, her sister was a very famous singer who died at a very young age. And she had she lived long, a very long life and a very fruitful life. She actually sang Cinderella in the Rossini and she sang it in the Massenet. When she retired from singing, uh, uh, ultimately to a place in Paris, France, she had a salon, as as many did at that time, and her salon was a musical salon. She taught voice, and she would feature people performing. Well, well uh, Bizet came and performed mm. at sure. her perf- Chopin, uh, all of the famous musicians of the day would have been performing, but she also asked her, her voice students. That was, it was kind of like a little mini training program yeah. in her salon too. And she had her voice students perform things and she wrote operas for her voice students. And Cinderella is one of those operas that she wrote for her students and was premiered in a salon in her big living room. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and having performed in both the Rossini and the Massanet, she kind of took the best of both shows and put it into her. Because she wrote her own words too, put it into her show, and it's about an hour long. Charming, charming music, really solid music, um, that tells this this version of Cinderella where she's got her her stepfather's not evil. He's just not necessarily a. Uh, uh, He's not good to her necessarily. He knows where his bread and butter is, and it's on his other two daughters. And he's a fellow of some some small questionable means, as he confesses in one of his songs. um And the two stepsisters—they're unkind, but I wouldn't call them evil. Now she does have a, a, a fairy godmother, and. How Fairy Godmother in this show makes the carriage and all that stuff happen yeah. is kind of wild. I mean, she tells Cinderella, go out in the garden and get six lizards and, and then throw the lizards out the door. And suddenly they become the coachman. Uh, so it's 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 very, very it's the same story, but it's yeah, exactly. a little bit it's,
0: different clothing. Well, well, what you described sounds like it's something that is actually perfect for the medium that you're working it with. Absolutely. Time wise yes. and and all of that.
1: Yeah, it's a short show. It's about it's between an hour and an hour and a half. I am I'm am making it ever so slightly longer because since Pauline Viardot is an unknown composer and since this particular version of Cinderella is also a little unknown to us, I am having my wife Dr. Marilyn Taylor appear as Pauline Viardot. I so, think
0: that's very cool because you educated me and our listeners over the past 5 minutes because i'd never heard of this version yeah. so you put it all in perspective for exactly.
1: us exactly and so she's going to appear as pauline and sort of guide us through along with some little stories about her own career uh, as we enjoy this particular operatic version and i'm very proud to say i i am i i i'm specifically wanted marilyn to appear as Viardot, not because I love her and she's my wife, although all of that's a good reason, but because she, her vocal training lineage goes all the way back to Pauline Viardot. Get out of it's here. It's five generations back. Pauline, it was meant to be. Pauline Viardot, again, one of the great teachers at the turn of the century, was she was very well known in Russia, particularly in St. Petersburg, and there was a, a Russian soprano that studied with her. She in turn uh, taught a teacher by the name of Lydia Lipkovska, who who started in Russia and ended up in Romania. And there, Lydia Lipkovska was the teacher of Virginia Zayani. And Virginia Zayani ended up in Bloomington, Indiana, where she taught Marilyn Taylor.
0: Get out of here. Yeah. What a fantastic story. Yeah and all the spirits are going to be in exactly, this production. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: So tell us about the production. How can people enjoy it and when and all that sort of thing.
1: You can it's all going to be live streamed. So all you have to do is you can go to PiedmontOpera.org and buy a ticket. You we're happy to please call us. The phones don't ring anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you can call us at 336-725-7101. We'll walk you through the whole purchase process. Tickets for everyone are just $20. And you can uh, buy your ticket, and you will get an email with an access code. And you click on that access, and you can open it. How you can A lot of people, what they're doing is they open their email, they get it up on their laptop, and then you take an HDMI cord and plug it into your television set, and you're watching it, you know, big screen TV version of exactly what we're live streaming from the Stevens Center.
0: So, or if you, if you like, have computers set up, on your television you can do it that exactly, way too
1: Exactly, exactly. However, you can you communicate with your TV because there are multiple ways. I mean, you can also, uh, you can take your cell phone, pull it up on your cell phone, and then your cell phone can cast it to your television. So however you communicate through there, you will receive a link and that link will be live and that link will take you to the performance.
0: You're listening to Afternoon Jazz at 90.5 FM WSNC, Winston-Salem, jazz and all its colors from the campus of Winston-Salem State University. 345, I'm Jim Steele in the studio with Jamie Allbritton, who's the Artistic Director and general director of Piedmont Opera, we're talking about um, a, a version of Cinderella that you probably have never heard of, and you're going to get to enjoy it from the comfort of your home. Right. And Jamie Albrecht, I just have to have to tell you a little secret right now. This whole thing of being confined, on one in one way it's bad, but in the, un, uh, the other way it's good because you could have church on Sunday morning on your TV with your coffee with your dogs. <laughs> And and it's it's very very easy in your pajamas. Yeah. So this production you can enjoy in the comfort of your home. That's right. With a glass of wine.
1: That's so you know we everybody's sort of wringing their hands about ticket sales, and I'm like, guys, relax. Everybody's already chosen their seat. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually that's I want to get the best seat. You yeah. got it. You've had it for years.
0: <laughs> so so how are you? How is the public going along with this this new way of of buying tickets and enjoying opera? Are they coming along? It's is it, is it starting to pay off for you?
1: Um, you know, it's a, that's an interesting question, Jim, because if I just talk about ticket sales, if I'm just mercenary and talk about ticket sales, ticket sales are, I would say, strong, but not strong enough. Sure. And part of that is built into it. So. You know, let's say we had an A-level subscriber that wants to buy tickets to see this show. Well, if if it's a couple, if there are two people living in that home and they're an A-level subscriber, then you're talking about almost $200 in tickets. And those two same people are buying one link for $20. Now, I have to say, people are being remarkably generous. And the number of people that also leave a donation when they make a ticket's purchase is fantastic and that's really helping us tremendously but at the end of the day you know it's it's a link you know there's the the it's not like going to the to the the whole social aspect Uh, exactly yeah but then the other side of the coin is as you've already pointed out There's something beyond that ticket sale. There is the, so many people at the end of the year sent us a donation with lovely notes saying, thank you so much for staying strong. We're looking forward to live opera returning. So it's about us really being, sustaining our relevance. And, and people have seen that. People have acknowledged whether they're some, – some people, they're like, I don't want to watch it on TV. I don't, I'm don't. not interested. Yeah. But they know that we're out there doing and we're trying to do something for our community and beyond, and they're still proud of that.
0: Well, I wish they would just try it. I wish they would just try too. it because they will find out exactly how entertaining, how accessible, how easy yes. it is. And – you could, I mean, you, you, if you want to brag about it, call up your neighbor and say, guess what I'm doing? Guess where I am. <laughs> and You, you know, get the, your, your bragging rights.
1: The nice thing about it, too, is so many people, oh, opera, I don't know about that. How are you ever going to get a better chance to try opera than $20 sitting in your living room? On um, the big screen TV. Exactly. This is the best way to give opera a chance.
0: Jamie Albritton, Executive Director and Creative Director of Piedmont Opera, thank you for dropping by and telling us about this new production of Cinderella. Once again, remind us when it's coming up. We've got the contact information on our Facebook page, but it's right around the corner.
1: Yeah, we will be live streaming from the Stevens Center Friday night, uh, the 19th of March at 8 o'clock. And Sunday afternoon, the 21st of March, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon.
0: So two performances coming up um, uh, near the end of the month. All the facts are on our Facebook page and also at the Piedmont Opera page as well, which we will have links on our Facebook page. And we hope that this... This could be the start of something brilliant for you who have never been to an opera. You don't have to invest a whole lot in a tuxedo or anything. All you have to do is get your ticket and set it home in front of the TV. Make yourself a drink. Get the dog next to you. And it's a very, very comfortable experience. It's a
1: very dog-friendly opera.
0: Very (laughs) dog-friendly. Thank you, Jamie (laughs) Albritton.
1: Thank you, Jim.
0: You're listening to Afternoon Jazz at 90.5 FM, WSNC, Winston-Salem. Jazz in all its colors. from the.